Live from Queensland, Australia, it's... Speak away, bruv. A show where two brothers just shoot, shoot the, the breeze. breeze. My name's Bailey. And my name's Cooper. So let's speak away, y'all. Woohoo. Yeehaw. Why... Hello there, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Speak Away, bruv. Hello there. Oh, we didn't get an ooh yeah this week. Oh yeah. There we go. It's it's your usual thing. I was surprised when it didn't come out. Do you want more oomph? Some more pizzazz would be nice. You know, some... uh Uh-oh. I apologise for the uh, wreckage that's about to come to everyone's eardrums. Oh, yeah. There we go. That's what we like to hear. Thank you for joining us once again for Speak Away, bruv, everybody. And thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast the last few weeks that it's been coming out. We're very happy with how it's tracking. Very happy with the audience that we're starting to build from it. And we're very grateful to all of our listeners, new and returning This week, Cooper, we're going to be talking about movies and TV shows, something that I in particular am very uh, well-versed in uh, and something that Cooper is becoming well-versed in. I am, you know, tutoring him. I'm teaching him the dark ways of film and television. How dare you? What do you mean? I literally said nothing offensive in that entire statement. I am a film buff. Right. I guess we'll find out based off what what comes up in this show today. So today we're going to be doing a show type that we'll be doing uh, over a a number of different topics and a number of different episodes of the show called 5 by 5 So the 5 by 5 is five top five lists. So I have uh, two top five lists, Cooper has two, and we have one combined list um, that we're going to be working off today. Um, we'll get into the questions as we get into that segment of the show. But first, the one, the only, top of the show to you. Top of the show to you. So our top of the show this week is we recently saw a film, Cooper, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We saw a film called Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre. Uh it is a new film by Guy Ritchie, who is a filmmaker who I watch a lot of his films. Cooper watches a few of his films, the ones that are either appropriate or have Jason Statham in it, whichever ones comes first. Jason um, Statham always. So this is the second time, I believe, that Jason Statham and Guy Ritchie have worked together, at least in the last few years. They did a film together called Wrath of Man about two years ago, and this is their latest venture, and it's another one of Guy Ritchie's very interesting films uh, at this kind of moment in his career. He's making a lot of movies and a lot of really interesting films. And this is certainly one of them, isn't it, Cooper? Yeah, I'm surprised that Wrath of Man was two years ago. It doesn't feel like that long ago. It might actually not be that long ago. I might be telling a lie. I think it was two years ago, though. Well, but it might have been that we started seeing... Yeah, two years ago. came out in 2021. I thought so. May 2021. So nearly two full years ago now. Um. And Cooper and I watched uh, Wrath of Man when it came out and we both really liked it. And so when we saw the trailer for this movie, which is that was a very kind of working class uh, criminal enterprise uh, movie. This is a much more high stakes global espionage, you know, um, get the bad guys with the, you know, uh, super spy kind of deal. I definitely prefer this one over Wrath of Man. I think this one is A, a lot funnier. It's got a lot more of the comedic element, which is is really good. Wrath of Man was really compelling, but very, very dramatic. And there was, you know, moments of humor, but they were all kind of punctuated by this very severe um, dramatism. 
I think that Wrath of Man is a hard film to follow. I think that's a good way of saying it. I f- I, I agree with you because it's not a linear storyline. You it, kind of jump around a lot. It kind of jumps from the start to like six months in the future and then goes back and then six months in the past, all that. It does, it does a lot of jumping around and it can get a little difficult to follow exactly where you are in time and what is happening in that particular time period. But... Operation Ruse de, Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre does not suffer from that problem. Uh, it stars Jason Statham as Orson Fortune. What a name. Orson Fortune. Now that's a sexy name, as Hugh Grant's character says in the film. Hugh Grant plays. Who does Hugh Grant play, Cooper? I can't. He's like that rich guy. I can't remember. I the was act. hoping that you'd remember it. So we're going to look it up. I can remember a, a few of the names. I can't remember his name. Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. Hugh Grant plays Greg Simmons. That's true. So he's a billion-dollar arms dealer, while Josh Hartnett plays Jenny, Danny Francesco. That's a the one famous, I remember. A famous actor who uh, is the favorite actor of Greg Simmons, and that's why he is recruited into Awesome Fortune's team, along with Sarah Fidel, played by Aubrey Plaza. What a fun character she was. Yeah, she was a pretty good cal- character. I always have a lot of fun with Aubrey Plaza's roles, and this one was a little more mainstream than I'm used to seeing from her. She's usually a lot weirder, but she did still get to have some fun, very off-colour humor references which which i very much enjoyed yeah a lot of the humor came from her and jason statham yeah they're back and forth and returning for his second collaboration with uh guy Ritchie in recent years was bugsy malone who was in the gentleman a few years ago and in this film plays jj who's uh the fix-it man of the team he really uh gets things done doesn't he cooper oh yeah he was that guy yeah yeah. Uh, Carrie Elwes is also in the film. He plays Nathan Jasmine. He's the handler of the team. He collects the jobs as they're offered and brings them to the team. So this film's got a lot going on. There's a lot of uh, world traveling. There's a lot of, you know, jet setting around the world. I think one thing that I noticed was Jason Statham in this one plays almost a very, he's a good sort of, he's like his old characters, you know, I guess the word is hitman, could you Mm. say? But he's, the way he's different is he's got all these needs. He needs like a private jet and everything in this film. Yeah, he's he's an elite spy and he demands a, a lot of, money and resources out of the government that chooses to employ him. Yeah. What I found really fun was that Jason Statham usually plays those very severe characters, you know, his character in Wrath of Man, H, his character in, you know, Fast and Furious, you know, Deckard Short. The Meg. A very severe guy. The Meg was, he was a little funnier. Um, he's got really good a really good comedic sense. He just doesn't always have an opportunity to utilize it because he plays the badass, the you know stoic kind of emotionless badass really well. But I really liked him playing a bit more of a kind of James Bond, um, say a quip after you knock somebody out or kill somebody. Yeah, it was very. I felt like this was very of an era of, you know, a James Bond, you know, a kind of Pierce Brosnan James Bond. You know, this movie would have been made in the 90s for a lot less money than it was and looked probably a lot worse, but it would have still had that kind of quintessential banter back and forth. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a movie where I feel like you can't go wrong. Yeah, we we really... Uh, had a lot of fun watching this movie. Um, we went to, saw it, to see it as a family. It, there's just a lot of fun back and forth. There's some great action. I mean, Jason Statham's clearly carried over his contract from the Fast and Furious films where he's not allowed to lose a fight. 
I don't even think he really gets hit in this film at all. I think he, anyone who tries to fight him is either knocked unconscious or murdered. Yeah, can I say this little spoiler alert? All right, we're, we're going into spoiler territory. Close your ears if you want to watch this film fresh. Just one really thing. It's very much out of context. This one guy runs at him when he's on a balcony and tries to swing a punch at him and he dodges it and pretty much throws him over. Remember that? Yeah, and it's very much played for the joke. Yeah, because there's another guy that's been fallen down and then... He just lands next to the, is it JJ? Yeah, next to Bugsy Malone's character who just kind of very matter-of-factly reacts to the situation rather than freaking out as you would expect someone to when they've just watched someone crash down from a high balcony in front of them. Yeah. All in all, Cooper, uh, because it's top five episode, we're going to rank it in terms of fives. How many stars would you give it out of five? Five stars. It gets a whopping five stars from Cooper. I'd give it six stars. Wow, six stars. I like that. I am going to give it a solid four and a half stars. I really, really liked it. I thought it was really great. But, you know, there were there were just some little things and just little, little story beats that I didn't feel quite resolved themselves right. Um, a few just odd odd little moments but in general i really had a lot of fun with this one i thought that it was the perfect kind of blend of the action of wrath of man which i really liked and the comedy of the gentleman which i really liked and it blended those two together very well i'm looking forward to seeing what guy rich he's got next yeah in this kind of branch of his career i know he's about to release a film called the covenant which is a bit more down the severe, very grounded, very gritty again. But I look forward to seeing what he does next in this kind of side of the projects that he's doing at the moment. Yeah, and just quickly, one thing that I can't get over is since Bailey's gone into the film industry, he always loves a film, but he's always talking about how there's these little things in between because he's in the film industry, which just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know, we might we might get into that a little later, but I think that when you know how the sausage gets made, metaphorically, when you know how something gets done, you can see a lot easier when things are not done right or when things have been done out of necessity because something's obviously happened. At the end of the day, I, I really love the film. I don't think that I would give it a five stars just because I don't think it's a five star film for me. It's pretty close though. It's a 4.5. So I'm just going to bump it up to 4.75 just because you're going to bump my score of it up. Yeah. Cause why not? Cause it's my score. Oh, well that that's so rude of you. It's my score. I gave it that score. That was my gift to the film. You've just jumped in and gone, actually, here's another gift card for another 0.25 of a star. Well, that's a good thing. No. You've made me look bad. In front of Jason Statham. He's going to offer me a watch and then punch me in the face. (laughs) Reference to the film. Yeah, that was... You see it in the trailer. That was funny. I mean... I, don't you see the bit that I mentioned in the trailer? No. I think you see a little bit of it. Maybe. I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch the trailer. But, yeah, Jason Statham, if you're listening, we'd love to have you as a guest on our podcast. We would. We would love to have you as a guest on the podcast, Jason. But until then, we have other things to talk about. Cooper, movies and TV. That's what's on the agenda for today. And we are going to have five questions oh yeah and in response to this first question you are going to give us your top five responses to that question now for cooper there is a rule that i've put in place on this particular segment of the show actually for every question cooper is allowed to only answer fast a fast and furious movie once 
So, you know, his top five movies and shows with cars can't all just be Fast and Furious. They have to be something different. Yes. And so the first question out of all of them is top five favorite movies or TV shows that Bailey doesn't like. Now, Bailey, before we get into this, do I have to read it out and then ask you why you don't like it and why I like it? I think what's more important is why you like it. And if you want to, if we want to deconstruct why I don't, we can. But I think that more importantly is focusing what, on what you do like about the film. Okay, we'll get through me first and then we'll see how we go. So, number five on my list is Knives Out, Glass Onion, which is a new film that just came out in, I think it was November. Yep, November, and it's basically the second instalment of the Knives Out franchise starring Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. I think you could say he's solving, would you call it murder mystery? He's definitely solving a murder mystery. Murder mystery, there you go, and... You know, someone on the team has committed foul play and he's got to find out who this is and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was quite a decent film. I definitely liked it over the first one. But Bailey, I heard that you liked the first one better. I do like the first one better. I I very much appreciate the metaphor of the second film, the the idea of the glass onion, you know, peeling away these layers, expecting to see something different than what is clearly transparent through at the core and it just being exactly that. You know, it's it's a very interesting subversion of what you would expect. I just found that I enjoyed the byplay a little better in the first film because it was that very easy family dynamic. You know, in the first one, it was the Thromby family. So it was this this family dynamic and these, these familial relationships that I just thought translated a little better than the characters in that movie who seemed to be all kind of brought together more through convenience and circumstance rather than any kind of shared anything. Like, I understand how the movie brought them all together and why it's significant narratively, but, you know, the idea of, you know, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character being friends with um, Kate Hudson's character, being friends with Dave Bautista's character, being friends with Catherine Hahn's character, all of these people being friends just kind of feels a little weird. Um, I see what you mean. And in the end, in the start, I thought I wasn't going to like it because they said in the trailer that it was going to be a, this group were going to do a fake murder mystery, almost like a game, which I didn't like the idea of. But then when it turns into an actual murder mystery where people, where someone is actually killed, that's when I think it gets uh, more fascinating. Number four, Thor, Love and Thunder. Now, I definitely didn't mind Thor. I definitely preferred Thor Ragnarok, the third one. But, you know, Thor, Love and Thunder was, I think, more of a comedian play on Thor, would you say, Bailey? I think that it was packed full of too many jokes that it lost any of the substance it was trying to bring about. It criminally underused the villain of Gore the God Butcher, who was this fantastic and terrifying villain that was massively undercut by the level of comedy. I think that Ragnarok did a an, a really good balance um, a few years ago when that came out of the comedic elements and the dramatic elements. And I just think they lent too far into comedy in this film. I really wanted to love it. It's got a lot of the mythological stuff, but it just ultimately 
feels a bit rushed, feels a bit half-baked, feels a bit... Yeah, I, I, I was not a massive fan when I first saw it and I've had no desire to go back and see it again. And you're not the only one because when I originally went and saw it, I went and saw it with two friends and one of them said that he wouldn't go see it again until it came out on Disney+. Plus. And, you know, I wanted to at least take mum to watch it so she could see it. But if it wasn't for that, then I wouldn't have gone and seen, seen it again. Because I think you're right, they did lean too much into the comedy. But I still thought it was alright. Number three, now I know Bailey definitely does not like this one. Black Adam. I do not like this movie even slightly. Which is supply surprising considering that you were so excited for it when it was first, like, when the first trailer came out a few years ago. I mean, I was excited by the promise of it. And look, I, I'll take that back a little bit. I like maybe two things in this entire film. I like Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate. Um... Pierce Brosnan plays that character amazingly. And I mean, it's Pierce Brosnan. He's an astounding talent to watch on screen. And I mean, all of the actors are doing very well with the material that's there. It's just that the material that's there is not very good. The only other thing I like is there's a scene later in the film, an action scene that takes place while the main character is not even powered up. And it's better than any of the scenes where he actually has superpowers. Are you talking about the one where he's in that tank? Yes. Under the ocean? That that action sequence is better than literally every other one in the film. See, the first time watching it, I loved it. But sometimes you have to watch a film twice to understand it. And I watched it a second time and I love Pierce Brosnan. You know, I think he was great in this film and he was actually the saving grace in this film, would you say? Oh, if if not for Pierce Brosnan, I might have walked out of this film. I thought so. Um, I think Dwayne's character... Now, even though I love Dwayne's characters and everything else, I think this one was just... It was almost like a bit robot in my opinion. Yes. Dwayne Johnson, you can do more interesting things than play this character. I know that you've got a real interest in this character. He's not that interesting. There's really... I mean, actually, let me take that back. He is interesting if you explore the actual core of that character, which is protecting Kundak. And you kind of get a bit of that but he's really just kind of there. Yeah. It just feels a bit too robot-y for me. Like, it's not like, say, Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw where he's got like a playful banter with Jason Statham. It's just very dull. It's also, you know, the character already has this legendary uh, status associated with himself. So there's no point within the film where he has to prove himself or overcome an obstacle. At one point he, and spoilers, at one point he elects to, you know, give away his power. But, you know... It's not really an obstacle because about three seconds later, he takes it back. And before he takes it back, he does a more interesting action scene than anything he does when he's got powers. Really? Yeah. Dude, that scene in that Argus facility is so much better than literally everything else in that film. What, when he's just broken out the water tank? Yeah. And I don't like that, you know, very Zack Snyder you know, water particles in the air, 
slow motion, but it's an undeniably beautiful sequence and a really well choreographed sequence. And everything else is just people hitting each other through buildings across, you know, an entire city and destroying Kandak people's homes when he's meant to be the protector of Kandak. It's really stupid. Yeah, I think there are two characters in this film that I actually like, and I know you'll agree. Pierce's character, and then I think is it that wind girl or something? Cyclone. Cyclone. Don't you like Cyclone? I do. I really like Cyclone, but she's also her and um, Noah Centineo's Adam Smasher aren't really in the film a lot. They're kind of relegated to very much background characters. See, I think he's almost like the DC Ant-Man. He's like, he kind of, now I think Ant-Man has a sort of comedic side, but this guy thinks he's comedic and he's really not. The problem is, is that he feel like he feels like a ripoff of Ant-Man and Deadpool, both in a sense of his power and his costume. He looks, he looks like, Deadpool with Ant-Man's powers and he tries, they push for that level of comedy that just isn't interesting for that character because it is just a replication. It needs to be its own standalone thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. But in the end, they kill off Piers Brosnan, so it's annoying. Again, spoilers. Yeah, but the film's been out long enough. Anyway, number two, Red Notice with... Another Dwayne The Rock Johnson film, but Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. Now, I absolutely love this film. It's really cool. I think the whole storyline's very fascinating, but for some reason, Bailey doesn't like it. I don't dislike this film as much as Black Adam. It's mainly because Cooper loves this film and I don't really like this film. It's fine. It's Ryan Reynolds having fun. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson in a role I at least kind of like him in. You know, as opposed to Black Adam, he's actually playing into his skill set, which is suave, but um, suave but badass and quippy but very stoic. Yeah. So I, I don't hate this film, but I just think that it's... I like Pretty the whole, meh. I like the whole plot with the three eggs and it being historic. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's fine. And number one, this is gonna send me on a trigger go Fast Nine, which I absolutely love just because it's fast and furious. And I absolutely hate it because it is one of the stupidest films I've ever had to endure. I don't know why. Because literally everything in that movie is as stupid as it could possibly be. And instead of like, it leans too far into it. So, you know, you literally have a subplot in that film. And again, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. So there's just going to be a flat spoiler warning for pretty much everything we're going to talk about. There's literally an entire subplot where it is Tyrese Gibson as Roman Pierce talking about how it's amazing that they can never die no matter what situation they're put in. And what we call that is hanging a light, which is you try and make the audience go along with something by pointing at it and having characters talk about it in expositional dialogue of like, wow, that's pretty amazing. But literally, Roman Pierce is not like a military contractor. He has no military experience. He's literally just done jobs with Dom Toretto. He was a goddamn con man and like a, a street, a low level street racer. Demolition Derby person. That's what he was. Demolition Derby driver. Yeah. Who suddenly has become this dude who, when an entire military unit is after him, he literally does not get shot once and he kills every single one of them. And at no point does him or anyone else in this film ever be at risk of death the way they explain Han coming back to life is stupid. And they bring Han back to life. Han being one of the best characters in the Fast and Furious franchise. One of my favorites. Objectively one of the best. And they don't do anything with him. 
He's literally just standing there with pretty much no purpose for him being back in it other than some of the stuff that was happening in Japan. I mean, one thing that really got you triggered was he wasn't eating chips enough. Okay, that really wasn't triggering me, but he just didn't have it. Like, what was he doing in that film? What did he offer in that film as opposed to in every other film that he's been in, he's either been the mentor in Tokyo Drift or the crew member in Fast and Furious 5 and 6. And then in this one, they're just like, oh, Han's actually not dead, but also Han's actually not going to do anything. Yeah, I think they should have used Han a little more. I think he's a little bit underused. I will agree with you on that. And the only reason why they're going into the whole you know, that whole sequence with Roman is because, you know, he got was getting shot by all those guys in the place and he wasn't and he didn't get shot once. Even though you do see smoke come out of his vest, which is very confusing. Can I also point and out And he also almost gets squashed by a truck. Yes. That's so the only reason. But all of that happens, and I will also just remind you, because I've just remembered this from a review I watched of the film. I know what you're going to (laughs) say. This is from my boys at Mr. Sunday Movies, the Weekly Planet podcast, um, and they pointed this out, and they're very right. The opening of this film features a NASCAR race where someone, there is an engine failure with a vehicle, and someone flips and dies in a fire inferno. And then we watch a bunch of people who have no real military experience or any, like, they're just street racers and they're literally, like, swinging cars off off rope bridges over crevasses in the middle of a jungle onto a cliff on the other side of a thing while another car gets picked up by a magnetic plane and flown out. It is is stupid and I don't like it and I want it to go away. Will I still watch Fast and Furious 10? Sadly, yes, because I'll have to take this one to go see it. I'm hoping it's better. I'll at least get to watch Jason Momoa have fun on screen for like two hours. One good thing is is that Jason Statham's back. Good, I like that. We should hopefully see more of Han. We better see more of Han. We're seeing Roman Pierce once again in some shouty golden Lamborghini, which is who he is. Mm. We're seeing Dom in multiple charges. We're seeing all this stuff, John Cena again. And the only reason why they did the NASCAR thing with the dad dying was because they were going to introduce Jacob, who's literally never been mentioned ever. Is never even been briefly referenced that Dom had a brother. And they show this scene of this horrific accident happening to his father. And then literally he is in at least four life-threatening situations that are worse than that and survives. Yeah. The only thing I didn't really like about this film was the whole space plot. That was kind of stupid. It was stupid. I didn't like it. Anyway, on to you. My list. So, question two is underrated and little-known films and shows. So, my number five is Dread. It is a film from the early 2010s. It stars Carl Urban and Olivia Thrillby. Carl Urban plays Judge Dread, which is a role originated in a comic book played by Sylvester Stallone in the 80s, I believe it was. And this film is just a hoot. The villain is played by the always amazing Cersei Lannister herself, Lena Hetty. Hetty? Hetty? Sorry, Lena. Love you. <laughs> but she plays this amazing villain called Mama, and it's, it's great because unlike a lot of superhero movies, it's not this massive extraterrestrial threat. It's not, you know, a cabal of of criminals trying to take over the world. It's literally a drug syndicate in one building and this one street judge with authority to execute on site, going through the levels of it and taking people out. It is amazing. Go give it a watch. My number four is Undisputed 3, which is a 
a series that started as boxing films that transitioned into full martial arts movies. Undisputed 3 is moves away from the focus of, ooh, who's Michael John White play in those films? I should have Googled this. George Chambers, originally played by Ving Rhames, later played by Michael Jai White. This movie, uh, Undisputed 3, takes the lens away from George Chambers and moves it over to Yuri Boyka, who is played by Scott Adkins, who I consider to be one of the most gifted martial artists in the industry, you know, working on screen. Uh, this film is basically, uh, you know, Boyka in the last film got an injury from uh, his fight with George Chambers from Michael J. White. Uh, he's recovering from that injury and going into a fighting tournament with other prison inmates because he's in prison for murder because he murdered somebody in a fight. So Undisputed 3, it's got amazing action. Amazing performance by Scott Adkins. Some of the most amazing martial arts work you've ever seen. Latif Crowder, who does a lot of stuff with The Mandalorian and a lot of other things. He's an amazing capoeira expert, which is a Brazilian martial art. He is in this film and their fight scene is one of the best that I've seen put to film. Number three on my underrated or little known is Altered Carbon. This series is one of my favorites. It's uh, the first time I've ever seen cyberpunk really done right. And I know I'm probably going to get hate for that. I don't like a lot of cyberpunk things out there, but I love the cyberpunk concept and ideal. And to me, Alton Carbon does it right. It's a philosophical exploration of death and mortality done through an awful lot of murdering people and bright, pretty neon lights. And I like it. It's a lot of fun. Number two on my list is a very far departure from the last, really everything else that's on my list and even more different than my number one. From 2017, it is Gifted. It features Chris Evans in the leading role with McKenna Grace in the second role. It's got Octavia Spencer in it, Jenna Slate. It is this amazing film about this little girl who is a math prodigy and her uncle is raising her after her mother's suicide and trying to give her the best life that he can and trying to help her live like a normal kid, even though she is so extraordinarily gifted. It is an amazing film. It's one of my, my heartfelt watches. I love to watch it. I love the ways that it breaks my heart and the ways that it builds it back up again. Uh, I watched this one a lot, just, you know, feel good movie. My number one is one of my favorite shows. It is martial arts. It is crazy, crazy stuff going on. It's a wild world. It is into the badlands. This show, uh, has sadly been canceled it was blessed with three seasons. It should have been blessed with may way more. It stars and was produced by Daniel Wu, who's an amazing martial arts performer and who might be featuring a little later on on this on one of my lists. But Daniel Wu plays Sonny, who is a clipper. Basically, he is the top assassin for one of the barons in this postmodern world where baronies rule the remainders of earth and outside of the realms of the barons is the badlands and uh you know guns don't exist anymore so it's just everyone fighting with swords with bows with fists and sunny is the best fighter in the badlands and he has some amazing fights and there's just some amazing stuff that you get to see in this show i love it well, Cooper, that's the end of my first list. We're on to your second list. Go for it. So my next one is movies and shows with cars. Number five is Lamborghini, the man behind the legend, which basically walks through the life of Lamborghini. You know, he was 
a prisoner of war who, you know, built the equipment in for the Germans because he was a prisoner. And then he went on building tractors and his wife died whilst giving birth to his child. And then, you know, after Ferrari basically was mean to him, he started his own company and the rest is history. Number four is Ford vs. Ferrari, which is another uh, non-fiction story which looks into the the whole story lot of Ford hoping to team up with Ferrari to race Le Mans. But then Enzo once again turns them away and so they build their own car with Ken Miles uh, as the driver and Carol Shelby as the producer. And they just build it up from there and sadly Ken Miles died whilst testing uh, in 1967. Number three is obviously Fast and Furious, but in this case... Fast and Furious 5, I know it is Bailey's favourite Fast and Furious movie. It is one of my favourites. It's alright. I really like Fast and Furious 5. I think it is, if not my favourite, then it's in my top one or two. Thought so. Uh, I think it's just them being what they are for the last time. Just street races and thieves, really. So... That was the end of an era. And then obviously Top Gear and the Grand Tour, which are basically all cars. They're car shows. So that is the top five movies or TV shows about cars. There we go. So now we're on to my second list, the fourth list of the day. And this list is uh, all about movies and shows that I've worked on. So, sorry, I'm just pulling it up. So, basically, I'm not ranking these in terms of what it was like to work on them because that's too many insider secrets for you all. But these are in terms of, like, the entertainment value of the show. Uh, Yeah, what I think from watching it. And that also means that, you know, I've done quite a few shows more recently than this. But, of course, they haven't released yet. So... Those are not taken into consideration for this list. And there are also some that he hasn't finished watching, so he can't really mention on this list. Yes, there are a few like TV shows that I've worked on that I haven't watched every episode. And so I don't really want to put them on the list when there are others that I've watched all of. Number five is Tropo. This is a Australian story based on a book by Candace Fox. It was um, one of the first big series that I worked on. And I absolutely love Tropo. I think it is quite a good show. Cooper really loves Tropo. I had a lot of fun watching Tropo back. It's always interesting to see how things translate from behind the scenes onto the camera. Um, Some really amazing performances from Thomas Jane, from Nicole Shamoon, from my... Dear, dear friend, David Lyons, and from my dear, dear friend, Kate Bean, um, Thomas Weatherall, Yaron Ha, Chris Alosio, Miranda Frangel, Kramer Kane, just a really amazing group of people that I feel very lucky to have gotten to work with. So that's number five. Number four is one that I only worked on very briefly. But it's one that you can see me in. You can see my face. I'm in this film. Bloody Hell. It's an Australian independent horror that's basically about this American guy who goes to prison because he foils a bank robbery through hyper-violent means. He uh, goes to prison, gets out, and tries to move away from America to get away from the bad publicity of what he did and ends up in a much worse situation than where he was originally. Uh, This is such a fun film. It's very quintessentially Aussie horror where it's just kind of big and bold and unapologetically quite gruesome, quite um, high impact, but 
a lot of fun. And if you're looking very closely in the final scene where... And if you're looking very carefully in the scene where Ben O'Toole's character is at a dinner party describing what happened with him and Meg Fraser's character, you might just see me sitting at the dinner table with them. It was a really fun night and it was a really uh, fun little, little Australian film. Speaking of fun little Australian films, this one doesn't appear to be an Australian film on the surface, but it was filmed right here in sunny Queensland in the middle of summer. It's a uh, Winter Wonderland film, Mistletoe Ranch. It's a Christmas film. It's very Hallmark Christmas movie. But I was really quite surprised by how beautifully this film turned out. It's got some amazing performances from Geordie Webber and Mercy Cornwall in the leads. It's got an amazing performance from young Molly Wright, who's an outstanding young performer who was also on Troppo, so... Her and I have done a few shows together now. It's a lot of fun. And it is, yeah, it's it's a Christmas movie. It's a romance. And it's got all of the hallmarks of a Hallmark movie. But it's, it's quite a, a beautiful film in the way that it kind of approaches that, that romance and the different elements of the story that are, that are present. I'd recommend giving it a watch. Number two on my list is Streamline. Now, this is a film that I did right back at the start of my career as a producer's assistant, and it's a really, really beautiful little Australian film. It's about a competitive swimmer played by Levi Miller, who you might know from A Wrinkle in Time or Pan. It stars, also stars Jason Isaac from the Harry Potter series, from Star Trek Discovery, from so many other things. And it's basically about this competitive swimmer who has this dark family past and this tra- traumatic relationship with his father, played by Jason Isaacs, and how he struggles to reconcile his past with what he wants his future to be and whether he wants to be a competitive swimmer and whether he wants to utilize these gifts that he has or throw them all away and I think it's a really beautiful little film I really enjoyed working on that one and I really enjoyed watching it back the final film number one on my list is love and monsters this was another one I did right at the beginning of my career it is a Netflix film, it's big monsters, big action, big stars, Dylan O'Brien, Michael Rooker, uh, Jessica Henwick, and it was a lot of fun to work on. It's a beautiful looking film. Dan Hanna, who did a lot of the Lord of the Rings films, did the production design. It is spectacular to look at. Duncan Jones, who did uh, locations on a lot of the big films that have shot here in Queensland, you know, Aquaman, Thor Ragnarok, put together an amazing collection of, you know, um, forest locations, beach locations, so many amazing spots to look at. And it's just a really fun action comedy, you know, of this per- of this young guy trying to make his way across a world full of monsters to reunite with his childhood love, you know. It's a really beautiful story of finding your person and maybe it just tells you that the way to find your person is to find yourself. Um, but I'll let you be the judge of that when you watch the film. Now, Cooper... I need you to get out of bed. I know that you're having a nice nappy bye over there. Oh, I just had a nice 20-hour sleep. Oh, come on. I only talked for 19 hours. The other hour was just you. Cooper, it's time for the 5x5. Five five. Now, the 5x5 five five is our big question to end the show. It is our most anticipated movies of 2023. And Cooper, you're going first. Sorry, let me clarify. Most anticipated movies 
and TV shows. Important clarification. So at the number five position we have Clarkson's Farm. Mm. Clarkson's Farm, if you haven't seen the first series, it's Jeremy Clarkson, the TV presenter who has done Top Gear and Grand Tour in the past. Pretty much approaching farming because he owns a farm and the person who worked on it for many years has retired. So he's decided to do it himself. And this is him doing his second season. Now, hopefully we will see this second season because it was... I don't know whether I ever told you this, Bailey, but it was originally put on for a February 10th. Of this year? Yeah. So it's meant to come out in a few days from the time we're recording this. Yes, but I don't know whether you know this. A few days from the time this is releasing. Yes, but I don't know whether you know this. There has been some controversy that we will not go into with Jeremy Clarkson saying some stuff in the newspaper, which has gotten him cancelled. So after the stuff that they've got, put in the pipeline so like Clarkson's Farm Series 2 and 3 and another four Grand Tour episodes that'll probably be it for Clarkson on Amazon Mm, right unless he's very popular and they decide to renew him who knows I guess we'll find out what's your number four the Gran Turismo film so I'm very excited for this one because originally before this was even announced, uh, I watched this YouTuber called Amelia Hartford and I heard that she was going to be in a movie project. So, you know, it's like fascinating. And then it's a movie based on uh, a real life story and it's also based on the video game, kind of. which, And it's got Dave... Uh, David Harbour in it, which already makes me excited and I know it'll make Bailey excited because he loves David Harbour. We very much love David Harbour in that, in this house. On our wall of celebrities that we like, David Harbour is definitely etched up there. From uh, Black Widow and Violent Night. And Stranger Things for me, but Coop hasn't seen it. Yes. And I can't wait for him to be in this film. Very exciting. And then... The next one is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. This has been a very anticipated movie over the past few years, would you say? Yeah, I mean, well... Two years? The What, what was the last one called? It wasn't... Fallout. Fallout. Fallout was in like 2018. 18. So, I mean, it's nearly... How many years is that? Five years? Five years. Roundabout. A lot of the big films have had a long break. I mean, the last James Bond film, it was 2015 to 21. Mm. And then Fast and Furious, 2017 to 21 again. Yeah. I noticed that there was a big gap in all those films. Yeah, well, I think partially that's due to COVID. But, you know, also I just think that there was some... There must have just been some big delays in them. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's part one. There's going to be a part two. Is that supposed to be next year? I believe so. But uh, it looks pretty cool. It looks like there's going to be two car chases within like 10 minutes. There's going to be a motorcycle jumping off a cliff, which is already exciting. And, you know, just regular Tom Cruise stuff. Very exciting. Number two, John Wick Chapter 4. Oh, yeah. I have recently gotten into John Wick because I heard that the new one was going to be coming out and I was said to Bailey, can I watch the first three so I can go see this number four? And I have been obsessed with it. I've been watching those films multiple times a day. Mm. And I can't wait. I'm watching the trailer multiple times a day. It looks amazing. Very exciting. It may come back into play in my list as well. Mm. And then the last one is Fast and Furious 10, a.k.a. Fast X, which we have already talked about earlier in the show briefly. 
which I think is going to be an absolutely amazing uh, movie. It's definitely going to be better than the last one. It's going to be two parts. Everyone's going to be coming back. Even, I believe, Dwayne, he's coming back. Wow. I think if you look it up, he's in the cast list. Yeah, but I don't know if you can really believe that. I mean, maybe he'll be in the... I don't think he's in the part one. I think he's in part two. Maybe. We'll see. Especially as him and Vin don't have a a feud anymore, so... Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he said he wouldn't come back for anything Fast and Furious. Well, there is going to be a second Hobbs and Shaw. There is one of them. I don't know. There is. It's been confirmed from what I know. I don't think so. That's what we hear. There's two spin-offs coming from what I hear. I don't think either of them are Hobbs and Shaw, though. One of them's Hobbs and Shaw. I don't, well, I don't think it's Hobbs. All right, those are Cooper's top five most anticipated films of 2023, films and TV shows. I keep forgetting to add the TV shows. Um, but we need to add the TV shows because I have a few TV shows in my list. So I haven't included any of the recent, any of the films that are coming, films or TV that are coming out in the next few weeks. So, you know, we've got the new Ant-Man film coming out in a few weeks. We've got You Season 4. I haven't included any of those. I'm kind of looking further ahead. We start at number five on my list with Barbie. I am so fascinated with what this film is going to be. I have no idea what's going to happen in this film but I am fascinated and I want to see it. Bailey is really into the Barbie movies. That and Frozen, he absolutely loved them. Can you not gaslight our audience, please? Because <laughs> I, I also don't know whether you're trying to gaslight me or trying to gaslight our audience. You, obviously. Well, <laughs> you are annoying. I know trying to think of a Barbie-related insult for you, but I can't. There's a million out in the open. <laughs> You're a plastic butt face. I don't know. This is all being edited out. No, it's all staying in. Um, but I am actually very much looking forward to Barbie. My number four is a new property. Uh, it's based off a book that I have not had the pleasure of reading yet because I didn't even know about it until I saw that this show was coming out this year, but I may have to read it before the show comes out. The show is called American Born Chinese and it looks like an absolute winner. It has got Michelle Yeoh in it, who I love, 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 love. It's got Ki Hui Kwan in it, who, again, I love. It's a reunion of everything, everywhere, all at once cast members, which was one of my favorite films of last year. And it's also got Daniel Wu in it, who I mentioned a little earlier in the show when we talked about Into the Badlands. And it's an action comedy, which means there's going to be people doing martial arts, and I love it. And it's about two young teenagers finding themselves in the midst of a war between the Chinese gods in America. And I love me some urban fantasy mythology. Can't wait for Percy Jackson next year, but that's for next year's list. For now, I'm very excited for American Born Chinese season one. Number three, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. I am hoping that this film is good. I really, really want it to be good. I think that the trailers have made it look really good. I've got my fingers crossed. And it's got a lot of big names in it. It's got Michelle Rodriguez. That's the one reason why I'm going to see this film. It's Michelle got Rodriguez, Hugh Grant, Chris, Chris Pine, Pine, Reggae Jean Page, Sophie Lillibet, Justice someone, Smith. I feel like there's someone else. I think I've covered everyone there. At least everyone that I know of. But I'm very much hoping that that film is good and in a few weeks we'll be able to see if it is. Next on my list, number two, The Mandalorian Season 3. I am very much looking forward to this. I love my me some Mandalorian. The only reason it does not take the top spot is because I'm a little annoyed that we got the first half of Mandalorian Season 3 in the book of Boba Fett. I would have much rather they keep those two separate. Oh, yeah, that was really annoying. 
Like, why doesn't it focus more on Boba Fett? It was mainly just Mandalorian. Well, I mean, I actually, ironically, had a conversation with a friend of mine today where she was confused why Grogu was back in all the trailers because she's like, I thought he was gone. I said, you didn't watch the book of Boba Fett, did you? She said, no. Why? Why? I said, well, because everything happens in that. So, you know, if you're viewers who don't know to watch the book of Boba Fett, they're going to be so confused when that show comes back about why A, Mando's got a new ship and B, why Grogu is suddenly, you know, back with him after leaving at the end of last season. It was literally Mandalorian season 2.0. V2. Right. Other than that, I'm always very excited for Mandalorian. I want to see more. My number one pick, Cooper said it, John Wick Chapter 4. Love me some John Wick. Love me some Keanu Reeves. Donnie Yen's in this one. Scott Adkins, who I mentioned earlier, he's in it. Uh, Bill Skarsgård, Ian McShane. Jonathan, 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 what have you done? Jonathan, Jonathan, what have you done? This haven is safe no more. Mm. I mean... Just try to have fun out there. You know, one really fascinating thing I heard uh, today? Mm. Keanu doesn't do his own stunts. He does his own action. Yeah. You know what that means? It means that he doesn't do any of the big stuff. He doesn't do any of the, like, falls or car crashes but he does a lot of the car driving or the um gun like all the gun work or the like fighting yeah so like if there's a scene where he's fighting like in the garage in the start of john wick chapter two where he's fighting the guy he'll be doing all that jujitsu and all that stuff but then when he gets like hit by a car that's his stunt guy and then it's back to him doing all the stuff and him driving, that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. So we are in this household very excited for that film. Can't wait to see it in just a few more weeks. Just, I believe, over two months, like March 24th. Yeah, something like that, mid to late March. So we are anxiously anticipating that one. But until then... That's it, Cooper. That's the end of the episode. We've gone a little a little close to the wire here in terms of time, but we've really a packed line. a lot. We've really packed a lot into this episode. Give us your good line then. Now that we're over, it's time to speak away, bruv. Well, it's not time to speak away. We've already spoke away, mate. No, it's time for them to speak away. Oh, it's time for you to speak away. I understand. Exactly. I'm on board. Now, in terms of whose turn it is to do an accent, I'm trying to think because last week really, really messed with our heads because we all were doing accents all the time. Okay. Do we do an accent this week? I feel like we come back to it next week. No, of course we do it this week. Okay. It's tradition. Okay. Well, who's doing an accent? Well, from what I remember, it is your go to do the accent. Unless okay. you don't want to do it. I'll do it. Give me an accent. So, in the spirit of John Wick, I want you to do Winston. I thought you were going to say Keanu there. No. <laughs> You're breathtaking. You're breathtaking. You're all breathtaking. Wait, what? I don't understand that reference. Oh, it's okay. You weren't... A- you weren't around then, obviously. Okay, Winston. I can do Winston. I love me some Ian McShane. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. What have you done? Well, my dear friends, it is time for us to depart this evening. I wish you adieu and remember, Parabellum, prepare. For war. Goodbye. And now the end is near.
And so we face the final shout-outs. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, everybody. We are just getting started, so we'd really appreciate if you could follow the podcast so that you can hear our future episodes as they release. And if you can rate or leave a review, that would be amazing. We're going to try and post an episode every week. Uh, We'll see how we go with that one as we're starting up. If you want to follow us for updates and any funny musings on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Podcast. If you want to get in contact with us to tell us about your opinion on something we've discussed in today's episode or request a future topic of conversation, you can either DM us on Instagram or email us. Our email is speakawaybruvpodcast at hotmail.com. We want to hear you speak away, bruvs. Talk at you soon, listeners.